This episode of the podcast is brought to you by my company, Horns Gordon. Now this time we've just released our biggest ever athletic clothing range. And this range is my favourite we've ever done. We've put so much time and effort into this to making sure it's just spot on. So we've gone for a nice clean golden black look across the whole range. We've got some specialist compression wear. So we've got compression rash guard, compression leggings, compression shorts. We've got a nice compression leggings and sports bra set for the women. And then we've also got some nice t-shirts that you can wear in and out of the gym. So we've got our bind room tee and a nice distressed look. We've got horns loading t-shirt. We've got oversized bind room t-shirt, which is probably my favorite item out of the whole range. See if you just go and check that out. It's really, really nice. And uh, we've got some women's only t-shirts. We've got some athletic shorts. We've got jogging pants. Honestly, we have hit everything with this range and we've put it all out there. So go over to the website, hornsvoting.com. Use the code HORNS10 to listen to the podcast, get a discount 10% of anything off the website. So that's not just the athletic wear. You get anything off of the horns, the mead, any other clothing, the jewelry, you name it. You're going to get 10% off. So just use the code HORNS10. Listen to the podcast, get that. Let's get into the show. Welcome to the Nordic Mythology Podcast. I'm Daniel Farron, co of the company Horns of Odin, and I'm joined, as always, by Dr. Matthias Nordvig. Hello, everyone. Today we're joined by Christian Frederick uh, Nikolaus, uh, some very good uh, uh, Northern European names right there. Um, <laughs> Christian is a very, very standard Scandinavian name. Um, who is uh, the main guy behind Art for Valhalla. You make art on spears and shields and those kinds of things. And, you know, the artwork is really fucking awesome. So welcome to the show, Christian. Well, thank you guys very much. Uh, you know, it's an honor to be here. Uh, I feel a little pretentious with my, uh, my bookshelf background. I should have went with the laser beams. It's, it's an impressive bookshelf. <laughs> I mean, crossbow is intimidating though <laughs> yeah I've, I've got a new edition i've got a crossbow down here in the corner my, my granddad made that um awesome which is pretty cool I, I actually never got to meet him he he died from complications from the second world war before i was kind of old enough to to meet him but that he he made this crossbow and he made a small sort of single-handed one um which just kind of got passed down to me so i thought nice. oh, what, what better place to put it than than in here now with me. Oh yeah, yeah. I got my my uh, grandfather's uh, World War II helmet somewhere over here in the in the books as well. Oh uh, yeah, you'd like it. He he flew out of England. Oh, there you go. <laughs> a good man. You're a good man. I mean, I, choose, choosing the path you have, doing things in the in the Viking world. How often do people comment on Christian as a as a forename? Because you must get that all the time. Uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, you know, growing up. Um, I was teased with it, with the idea that you had like, well, are you, are you Zen Buddhist? You know, ha ha ha, you know, are you Jewish? You know, like, so, and now I get uh, like a neo-pagans being like, nice name with your, you know, it can't be heathen with a name like Christian, right? Yeah. Oh and <laughs> basically I'm, I'm named after my great grandfather, right? Who is named after the king of Denmark and Norway, Christian Frederick. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and and every single 
person in my family from myself, actually my firstborn son, Logan Frederick, right? Uh, myself, Christian Frederick, my father, William Frederick, on and on and on and on and on, right? Uh, has the surname or middle name Frederick. Um, but yeah, so I get, I get some shit for it basically, <laughs> but there is an explanation for it. <laughs> oh, it. It doesn't surprise me at all. You know, you get people in this community who, uh, who really don't like the idea of Christianity having anything to do with it, but refuse to learn or accept that the Vikings for the most part kind of adopted Christianity. Um, uh, it's it's all infused. You right? can't you can't say that. You can't say the Vikings ever got Christian. They were they were definitely not Christian at all. No, 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 no. They were only pagan. <laughs> That's the thing. It's I think some the, the, the Viking bros, as we called them before, kind of go, you know, yes, they turned they were Christian in the end, but it was forced upon them. They forced and you know, they they fought bravely, went to Valhalla and you know they, yaddy, they, they yaddy, yaddy. That, that, that's how it was you know it went it was it was a huge battle and it was it was you know it was something that was very much forced through through violence whereas in reality it's, it's there was just a better offer on the table that, that some of them took because you're going to get land or money or both um but people don't really like to accept that and, and good allies down south as well well in, in our case you know um uh you know, the, the whole naming thing still con was controlled by the church, right? So even that, I think you guys have talked about it before, um, where in Denmark, we have the problem where, you know, if you have a pagan name or more of an un-Denmark un name, it might get rejected. And then it gets replaced by the name of the king or the name of the queen, right? So technically, they kind of slowly assimilated people without taking away really anything they just say well if you don't assimilate and you don't take this name then you can't have any rights so mm -hmm. are you going to lose your farm are you going to lose your livelihood no you're just going to accept the fact and then you're going to practice whatever you want to practice when nobody's looking mm -hmm. i i completely forgot about that do we so if anybody who, who this maybe is one of your first episodes it was colin dale that we spoke about the whole naming the whole naming idea, which is, I think, I guess to, to me as a Brit and probably to most Americans, which I would make up our biggest audience, that that idea is just insane that you can't just call your kid whatever you want. You have to almost apply to the government and say, is this name okay? And they give you the, the, the Coliseum like thumbs up or thumbs down. It's a, it's a thing. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. We talked with uh, Colin about this. Um, yeah, Colin and wanted to name his son Loki, didn't he? And he had to yeah. prove he had to prove at some point that that was a quote unquote traditional name. Yeah, that, that that's a that's a standard thing still in in the several of the Nordic countries that they they police your names like that. <laughs> I, Iceland is one of the worst ones. Like not not so, not so long ago, they just got rid of the law that uh, that you had to be named something something son or something something daughter as your last name, like either named after your father or your mother or something like that. <laughs> and originally, it was only you have to you have to be the named son of your father like whatever your father's name was right so um yeah it's um <laughs> some archaic bullshit right there <laughs> so is, is that changed now that's not the not the case i, I think I, I i think you can i mean 
I think they're still incredibly conservative about it, but I think you can get away with having a proper name <laughs> to the one that you want. I mean, they, what they've done is that they've sort of like opened it up like gender wise, like made it more uh, gender equal in, 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 in some way or other. Um, but uh, it's, it still seems like, you know, they're, 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 they haven't moved that far from quote unquote tradition, you know. That's actually just brought a question to, to my mind that I never really thought about before. Um, maybe you'll know the answer, Matthias, or not. But when it comes to like the Icelandic son and daughter, like you said, being named after after the father. So mm-hmm. what's the kind of the purpose of the surname other than kind of your immediate parent? Because obviously with, with my surname, it's like a family name. It runs through generation after generation after generation. Whereas in that case, it doesn't. It only runs one generation deep because you're just going to be named mm-hmm. the son or the daughter of the the person who gave birth to you mm-hmm. well i mean if you go back to the beginning of that tradition which you know is lost in time more or less we, we don't know when this begins we just know that this is something that you know scandinavians do in the viking age um because I mean, we know that the kings, for instance, they they have the the like the Danish king Harold Bluetooth. Um, you know, Bluetooth is is not his last name. That is a, that is some kind of you know. Um, <laughs> oh, you know, I can't help but say some sort of technological advancement. <laughs> <laughs> you know, which was named after him, by the way, um, and. Um, his 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 last his real last name was Gormson, right? So son of Gorm, his uh, his father, and uh, I mean, I guess the, the 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 reasoning behind it is that the father is the one who carries the honor of family, and um, everybody in the community would know who the father is, right? Um, and if the father's uh, honor um extends beyond the community you'll be able to go see go say oh yeah i'm i'm harold gormson um over there on that island over there or up north in sweden somewhere or something like that and people would be like oh okay yeah yeah yeah, that makes sense right um and that is also why they then come up with these funny weird binaries right bluetooth where the hell does that come from guys <laughs> there are like several theories uh, one is uh, that he had like a dead tooth. <laughs> Another one is that he uh, had eaten blueberries at some point. <laughs> like it's it's weird. Anyway, uh, they come up with that to sort of like distinguish them because there could be several Harold Gormsons mm-hmm. in a community, right? And you see that um, tradition that carries on through to modern times in Scandinavia. Uh, that's why everybody from Norway and Denmark are known, uh, named Jensen, right? That's their last name, typically. It's the most common last name from um, from those two countries. Um, and that means son of Jens. And Jens is like the Nordic version of Johannes. Um, so, you know, it, it was still there in the 19th century, but then you have other developments and people also start taking name after the farm that they come from and so on. And slowly it all like um, develops into these, you know, static names now, but it's always been some kind of like dynamic um, last name kind of naming tradition. So yeah, that's really it. 
it's um i guess it's just it's just a tradition then the icelanders they were like well we have to like maintain this forever because it's so fucking meaningful to our you know national identity and it's like okay whatever yeah it actually might lead me into that other idea um i was telling you about a minute ago uh there's a new article or maybe it's not so new but i was reading about it recently where there's you know a shortage of women in iceland right and they obviously go looking now uh we have i think what just just now even though we've known forever that they landed in canada let's say 1032 somewhere in there right and 1021 the dating the very recent dating of some wood right. yeah Obviously, there's there's crossings that are going on between the Danes and Norwegians and everybody else um, to America or whatever you want to call it, Vinland, Vineland, blah blah blah. Um, so there's on a genetic level been found in Icelandic women a transfer the CE1 gene um, that matches on the DNA scale with indigenous Native American women. So basically the idea would be that whoever at one point, probably Norwegians or whatever, um, would be taking certain women from the tribes back to Iceland. So it could lead into the idea that maybe that's why they would only take the father's name. Um, and you also have what the, the British child connection there, right? The Irish, the Irish, uh, you know, little pocket of uh, population. You know, so maybe like you said, maybe it's like to, to strongly hold on to that identity, you have to have the patriarchal's name or else it kind of gets muddy and lost and, and nobody wants to get muddy and lost. <laughs> so no, that's, land and, that's, yeah. that's, that's a real possibility that you, know, that, you know, land ownership, for instance, is tied to the, the, the patriarch of the family, and especially yeah. in Iceland. Yeah. This, this seems to be a little different than mainland Scandinavia. Um, but, but the patriarchal uh, structure in Iceland is very early and, and very strong. Um, I mean, <laughs> I've, uh, I've written a, an article about uh, how the land-taking ritual um, when they go and they take they take these undvegisulur, uh, the so-called high seat pillars, and they throw them overboard, and then they let them decide where they take land and all that stuff. I have um, I've written an article uh, that in you know is the academic version of saying that this is really a sort of like symbolic dick waving, where the 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 land takers they're demonstrating their aggressive masculinity by uh, by putting these big phallic objects in the ground there's a bunch of other reasoning behind it but so so it, it sounds a little more clever than than what i'm saying right now um but uh, basically this is this is because we have a situation in iceland where uh, patriarchal might is so much more um efficient um than it is uh, for instance in uh in in norway and denmark and sweden at this time um because there's a lot more competition over resources and women uh feature as a resource in that regard um going back to what you were just saying so so we have like a situation where um the, the belonging to the patriarch um is a much more important than it than it is socially um over on the other side of the ocean 
And one of the ways that you can, for instance, see this is that we do find um, kings, for instance, and, and other uh, member of the elites in Viking Age uh, mainland Scandinavia who take name after their mother, hmm. um, which is most likely because she's the most, she's the highest ranking. So for instance, their father uh, married upwards in the hierarchy and then it's more opportune to associate with your mother um, because people will be like, oh, oh, okay. So she's like, ah, I see. Okay, fine. Great. You, you seem like a nice dude or something <laughs> like that, right? So, I mean, Swein Austerlidsson is one of the examples. He's, he took his, uh, he took the name, last name after his mother, Austerlidsson. And, you know, he was a king of a lot of different things, including Denmark. So there you go. Yeah. It's opportunistic. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Matthias, um, you were meant to be in in Iceland right now. Mm -hmm. Speaking of Iceland, yeah. Um, after getting COVID, the um, the doctor's office that I that I am associated with in this so-called healthcare system of America um, uh, fucked up my paperwork, <laughs> or it wasn't sufficient. So, so that would have given me some issues getting into Iceland and possibly more likely into the US again. So I had to ditch that. Um, but yeah, I was gonna go there and party hard with uh, a bunch of really cool people, including Runa from Nordic Animism and a lot of other people that are, that are in Iceland right now. Um, so yeah, I'm not bummed out at all. <laughs> i have but, uh, uh i got rune shirt on right now actually he beat you guys to the punch <laughs> yes he made the uh don't be a dick shirt so yeah oh i know <laughs> I, I found out after the episode last week i was like oh, I that was such an original idea and he hasn't said that to me yet <laughs> but yeah it's a conference at old norse mythology it's a annual conference that's taking place um, it like travels around. Um, it's it's in Reykjavik this year. I don't know where it's going to end up next year. Um, previously, uh, it was originally actually invented in my hometown, Aarhus. Um, and I was there at some of the earliest ones because, of course, I was a student there and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, it, uh, it basically, it, uh, it, it like moves around it's been at berkeley and in california it's been in london and oxford i think and so on so um it's like a, a it's a convention for all the old norse mythology nerds <laughs> scholarship <laughs> which sounds right up the street of people listening to this podcast i imagine it is you know what like it in i, I i'll have to say this like if 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 we ever get a normal year again, where it's just like possible to go to shit without having to have like vaccination passports and COVID tests and limited amount of people that can be in the room together and all that fuckery, um, then I will strongly suggest that if you ever see this um, conference anywhere around where you're at, go to it. Mm -hmm. show up and listen to smart people talk about this stuff yeah no, I, I saw 
you know, speaking to some of the people that have been on this podcast that are going, I was like, mm-hmm. fuck, I really, really would have liked to have, have gone. I know we we spoke at one point of doing a live podcast, me and you going out. Well, you were there anyway, me coming over and we do a live podcast with some cool people, but the uh, everything didn't line up, I guess, and we couldn't, we couldn't make it work. But that's uh, something hopefully we'll get to do eventually. Hopefully, I mean, we would we would have to um, make that work in the future, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, Vicky um, from Midgardsplot, um, who has who's been on our podcast, she's going to be there along with the other organizer, Aruna, um, talking about um, modern use of old Norse mythology and and all that stuff. It's going to be a blast. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty fucking jealous too. <laughs> but I will, I will still be doing my uh, my my conference presentation. I'll be doing it on Zoom, and it will actually, uh, as far as I understand, the organizers are going to make it available, like uh, the the Zoom stream or something like that, on the website. So it would be possible for people to 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 um, sign up and and join. So um, keep that in mind. So this uh, podcast comes out on Thursday and my, yes. um, my, my presentation will be on Friday. So, um, yeah, oh, there we go. Nice. Do, Good luck. Do, you, do you know where, do you know where people will be able to find it yet? Um, I don't know exactly, but, um, the, uh, the conference obviously has a website. I was going to say, <laughs> shadow put it in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll put the, the website link in the sh- uh, show notes and make sure that, uh, you know, if you um, if you go there and you know all that stuff, you could probably figure it out. So, <laughs> and listen to you talk about tattoos. Yes, I'll be talking about the possibility of tattoos and um, you know the some ritualistic mythological context for that as well. So yeah, you know that old age old discussion <laughs> that the Vikings tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. What, what what do you think, Christian? Before we start with with your stuff, do you, do you think they they were tattooed or not? I I think so. I think that not everyone was tattooed, you know. Um, but but like if if you think of them as pirates, let's say, right, traders and pirates, who who had tattoos in every fucking cartoon, right? The pirates have are covered. All sailors are covered. Anyone that was in the U.S. or any basically military, uh, you know, navy comes home with tattoos Mm -hmm. because you go to Polynesia and you go to different areas where they tattoo, you know? So who, who knows? But Mm -hmm. I don't think it's in like an everyday person thing, just like in our culture now, you Mm -hmm. know, there's plenty of, right. I still scare people at the grocery store. I'm, Mm -hmm. you know, covered in my tattoos. You know, Mm -hmm. I I got called a Nazi once because I have a Benjamin Moore tattoo, which is pretty hilarious. Now anyone doesn't know what that is. Uh, it's on my wrist. Now, I assume, I assume that they thought it was a Valknut, right? Oh, Still okay. wrong, right? Still yeah. wrong. But technically, I, I, you know, I've been a painting contractor or uh, how you know, store old houses for twenty plus years, right? So I wanted a symbol that kind of went with my other tattoos that other painters would recognize. <laughs> So where it's like I a little, little pin in kind of sigil, like a secret club. Yeah. Like the, 
like the exactly. Freemasons for painters. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> painters know what the symbol is. So anyway, so some some dude ran up to me one day and was like, "What's it like to be a racist, bro? What's it like to be a racist?" Oh, and I was like, wow. "What are you saying?" And he's pointing at my wrist, saying, "Like I know what that is. I know what that is. You know, and all this other things." And so I point back at my painting van and I said, "You mean the logo for Benjamin Moore paint?" And he kind of just kind of shrank about three feet and ran and walked away without saying another <laughs> word, you know. But that's um, the problem. It's it's the fact that he's come and said that in public, oh, where yeah. other people where other people can just overhear and they may not hear your response, but they just automatically hear this trigger word racist, and it just it can stick. Sure, sure. Which, well, that's a, that's our problem in general with any any of our. I mean, I have you know other tattoos of similar kinds you know and there's other ones that you just can't go near obviously we all know those yeah um you know but there's there's certain connections that are historical connections that don't mean what people think they mean and uh you know unfortunately you have to sit there and explain to them like they're small children with crayons you know and go like through the putting whole up process their noses, by the way <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah. But you, it, it has to be done though as well, because otherwise we just end up losing more and more. So you have to kind of take that time and and try and explain to people what these things actually are. I only do it in person because, like, yeah. I, I I have very highly respect for what you try to do on Facebook, but like, I would kill myself <laughs> if I if I did what you try to do on Facebook groups. I mean, it's just I. I, my head would explode after about five minutes and it's the end of it. <laughs> mine did. Mine, mine did. <laughs> yeah, you're snapped already. See, Mateus snapped. You gotta, you gotta just move away from those people. They're toxic. Well, I, yeah. I think that's why I, I, I kind of manage it because I do like a good debate. Like, I just enjoy debates. I I, I don't think debates are negative in, in any way. Obviously, when people start to swear, I do. Um, but a debate, I think, is just mental chess. I enjoy that. I enjoy like the this kind of maneuvering and, and setting yeah, traps almost for people. I get it, but but isn't it really like? I mean, when it comes to Facebook or Twitter, is it really chess? Is it more checkers? I feel like it's more checkers. I feel like they're playing know? checkers and I'm playing chess. <laughs> yeah, that's what, like, it's kind of unfair. No, I think <laughs> I, I think the other thing is that like genuinely, I just I I don't care. Like I don't care enough. Anything they could say could never bother me, so like I just don't care enough. So like I'll just type a type my response from whatever I've picked up on the podcast and be like, yeah, well, or usually I just use it as like a marketing ploy for the podcast. I'm like, by the way, we spoke about this on the podcast. Here's a link. Here's a here's a link to the episode, and and quite a lot of people will look, will look at it and go, oh, yeah, thanks for thanks for posting it. I'll, I'll check it out. Some people don't, but then I I kind of just put my phone down and I go yeah. back to work and I'll carry on carving a horn and that's like, I, the real reason he does it yeah <laughs> the podcast. come look at my stuff that's it that's what you're gonna do it's it's all a marketing. we i mean if facebook has taught us anything there is marketing in chaos so if you can make people if you can get people's you know their emotions going and then at the yeah. end go oh by the way check out this podcast Maybe they'll come and listen. I don't know. Bad press is good press, right? <laughs> if you found this podcast from me arguing with you on on Facebook, please let us know. <laughs> <laughs> Drop an email yes. to nmp.hornsofodin.com because I would love to know. 
honestly, it's it, it's true though. I mean, I I've been seeing people yelling at Joe Rogan a couple of times uh, very recently. I think the last one was him saying he wasn't vaccinated or something like that, and then the COVID stuff. And that made me listen to Joe Rogan's podcast because I was like, I wonder who this guy is. It was was my first thought. Who who the hell is this person? And secondly, you, you, it's like, you have oh, to hear the one with Paul Stamets. Paul Stamets. You, you guys should have Paul Stamets on on this show. <laughs> Do you know who Doctor Doctor Paul Stamets is? He's the, the mushroom guy. Yes. I, 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 yes. Yes. Well, if you because you've had a few episodes that have dealt with mushrooms, and I feel like if you if you had an expert that knew, it's I mean, true. you know what I mean, and he is the expert on you know all of this micro you know micro biomes and and, and everything else. It's the most some of the most interesting stuff you've ever heard, mm-hmm. and it has nothing to do with psychedelics for the most part. That's a small part of it, but mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's it's not like it'll go into that. Oh, berserkers went in and took mushrooms. <laughs> you know, it's the complete <laughs> the complete opposite of basically the evolution of language, the evolution of our culture moving. Actually, mead, Dan, right? Mead uh, became mead probably because of honey being the easiest way to store things. So mm-hmm. when they started running out of stuff. They put it into honey to all right, and then it fermented and became mead. That you know, and um, I have to say, not a plug, but anyone listening, I did. I don't drink at all, really, and I did try to sip of the Serenos mead, and it is perfect. <laughs> so available yeah. hansbody.com. Hansbody.com. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it really was good. It really was. No, good. He, that it is some good mead. Like I said, Pete, the, the, the fellow who makes it for us, he, he keeps his own bees, he harvests the honey himself, he makes the the meat, you know, makes the mead himself, then bottles it. So it's all kind of a one-man operation. So it's it's really localized. He's like a third generation beekeeper. And so it's all why is it you haven't sent me a bottle of that yet? <laughs> Wait, I'm causing wait all to... sorts of problems, right? <laughs> I'm causing all I got shirts that you don't have, <laughs> you need you don't have. No, when we, when we meet in person, I will bring some. That'll take forever, man. No, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. So, I mean, mainly we're here to talk about your your artwork, I guess. Even though we're we're probably like two thirds of the way into the episode already. Who cares about my artwork anyway? <laughs> but I mean, everyone. I mean, I assume most people will know you for your artwork. You uh, you make some absolutely. I mean, originally I knew you mainly from shields, but you kind of diversified into spears, axes, I guess anything weaponized that you yeah. can, with a, with yeah. a wooden element to it, you've uh, turned your hand to. Yeah, un- unfortunately now IG is, um, looks at me like I am a arms dealer. So I'm on like thin ice in oh. Instagram. So we'll see how long I'm on Instagram for. because I've gotten a couple of warnings about things, but um but yeah, it's, wait, it's wait, what? Well, uh, because uh, I have axes and sax knives that are forged and things like that, and I do those collaborations with people. Um, Instagram has basically flagged me as an international arms dealer because my work is in forty, <laughs> you know, forty different countries, and um, it leads people to pages that. 
are quote unquote dangerous or whatever it is. Fuck social media. <laughs> basically, basically, uh, it's Holy really shit. sad. It's really sad. Um, like certain places, I like uh, when I sent Sigurd I sent him an, an axe, right? Um, and uh, we had to break it into two different pieces and say it wasn't a weapon. It's a ceremonial piece and it's wood art. I have to be very careful on customs forms and things like that um, mm. because some countries don't even allow the import of a quote unquote weapon um, when technically is anyone really going to use them for that? Like, no, they're going to hang on walls for the most part. They are fully functional. Um, they will kill. <laughs> um, could you not say that the that they're tools rather than weapons? I know when we when we ship anything out, we kind of go down the the tool route rather than. Well, I say they're artwork. I mean, that's what they are. I, I'm mm. I'm a I'm you know a contemporary artist. I've shown many times in New York City. I've shown many times in different galleries around the world. I have, like I said, I have probably you know forty different countries worth of people that own my stuff. Right. So I sell everything as a custom one of a kind piece of artwork because um, that's really what it is. It's, you know, yes, it's on a shield. But if if it was on a canvas, nobody would say anything. Right. If it was just on a piece of wood and I and I, and I did the same thing, I drew it out freehand. I burned all the line work. I stained all the different colors on. Right. And I sold you a big hunk of wood. I wouldn't have to say anything. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, since it's this this context of weaponry, then, you know, they put me in this category. But I, I kind of like that category because not everyone is doing that. Um, you know, and I look at the, the, the historical and archaeological finds and, and how intricate the armor used to be, how intricate. I mean, my my stuff, people will say, oh, it's too intricate for battle. Be like, bitch, you haven't looked at anything. Because if you go, <laughs> right, if you go to any museum, you'll see how intricate things were. Go look at go look at a full suit of samurai armor and tell me that my stuff is more intricate, right? It's not. My stuff is, you know, the best I can do, right? And I want it to look the best I can make. But um it's it's they're deadly weapons i mean there's no doubt about it like it will kill things <laughs> like spears will kill boar right the axes will kill people like or kill whatever you want them to do um you know the shield bosses are forged and they're they're bolted through the center boss of the handles so feel free to smash someone in the face with that <laughs> you know and see what happens yeah um it'll still look beautiful <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, yeah, the argument is that if it's the one that I always have as well, because with the say axes that we sell, you know, they're hand forged, they, they're like 300 pounds each or like 250 or something. It's like if someone wants to kill someone or go on a little stabbing rampage, I guess, you're not going to buy, you know, a thousand dollar shield from you or a 300 pound say axe from me. Like you're just going to go to the supermarket and spend eight pounds on a on a kitchen knife, if that's what you're gonna do, yeah, I don't sure. think I don't think you you really need to worry about the people who are, are willing to spend their money on a piece of artwork. Yeah, so far no one's been arrested, so that's good, right? I mean, no one's could, used no one's used my artwork to kill anyone else. Hey, going back to what we said earlier, going back Yet. to what we said earlier, it could be good for business. <laughs> that's what I mean. 
Well, it actually was good for business when it comes to medieval collecting, right? Um, if you had a if you had a weapon from that time, like if you had that crossbow that actually fired and killed someone, it'll be worth more money than it would be if it was just a crossbow that you bought, mm-hmm. right? I guess yeah, Same. everything when it has a story to it, it, it automatically yeah puts some value on it because it's not just a a thing anymore. It also almost takes on a living personality, I guess. Well, sure. Even here, we have this Civil War stuff, right? We have Civil War weaponry that's worth more money if it's been in battle, um, you know, and they're still finding stuff all over Gettysburg and different battlefields, you know, where, you know, bayonets or whatever it is. And now they can test for DNA and blood. So if they know it's been used, then it becomes more valuable. Please, just a quick disclaimer, please do not kill anybody with anything that Christian makes or that you buy from me. It's to do it. Please don't do it. Please don't hurt anyone. Dan speaks for himself. <laughs> <laughs> Make my value rise. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I, I I think this falls under the general category of 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 the the title of your t shirt. Don't be a dick. Yeah. Um, just just don't be a dick. <laughs> with or without weaponry, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, personal responsibility, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I'm not really, I don't really get about this whole thing of like, I'm pretty sure that in, in places like Iceland, for instance, and, and Denmark, you, you can go buy an axe in a hardware store. Mm-hmm. Like, why would they have such a problem with a, you know, artistic axe that you send? I think it's more of just the fact that it's technically a weapon. So they are an edged weapon. You know, like I, if I send someone a, a sax knife, it's a fixed blade. You know, that has its own connotations. Mm-hmm. So there's just a weirdness to it. But it's just, know. I think it's probably just box. It's just box ticking, isn't it? It's yeah. It's kind of rather than they probably don't have the time or the resources to open every single piece and judge it individually and go, this is a piece of art. This is okay. They, they just kind of have this umbrella thing that goes, okay everything that's like this we need more detail because yeah it's just it'll just be kind of how it is we we have it with that sending alcohol to countries it is mm. and i met sweden recently like sweden you can't send any alcohol to sweden now i never realized apparently, apparently sweden's a really strict country when it comes to to alcohol like on facebook <laughs> you on facebook you can't advertise to you can't advertise alcohol to sweden at all no matter because most of the time you have to pick the ages. So you have to select like, so if we wanted to advertise to people in the UK for alcohol, you would have to select over 18 only. Um, but now Sweden, you can't have you can't advertise alcohol to them at all. And apparently you can't ship alcohol there. Um, either. And I, I, I don't know why, I guess it must be the Swedish government who make the rules on, on what they import, but for whatever reason, you just can't seem to, to send it there. I think uh, this might have something to do um, with Brexit, actually. Maybe, but that wouldn't explain why the the whole Facebook, the way that they they run, who you can advertise to. No, I mean that I, I'm not saying that they're not strict on alcohol and a bunch of other things. Like, they're, come on, guys. Uh, <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> but yeah, they they do seem it, it is quite odd how what you can send some places but can't send like, like we can we can send alcohol to dubai 
which I, I, I always thought was like a dry country. <laughs> but is it a you, desert? <laughs> <laughs> no, dry as dry as in as in no alcohol. <laughs> I know, <laughs> but but I guess both. Um, I yeah. think, as far as I understand, there are several of those uh, smaller uh, countries on the Arabian Peninsula that are actually quite liberal in in terms of what you can and cannot do, mm-hmm. um, and also quite forgiving when it comes to like foreigners and and fucking up. You know, <laughs> so yeah, I I actually had. Um, <laughs> I had the the world. I didn't even know this was a real thing, but it's the the world's best cocktail maker. He was like the the world champion of cocktail making, I guess. Um, I think he's a, a guy called Simon Capoli. I think his surname is. He messaged me like with seven days' notice. He was like, "I need forty horns," but he spoke to me in a way. He spoke to me in a way of authority. Like the message came through, and I was like, "He wasn't like, can you make these?" He was like, "I need them." So. Kind of looked to his profile. I was like, "Who the who the fuck's this guy?" <laughs> like just demanding this, and I was like, "Turns out he's this big cocktail maker. He's like really well known, internationally renowned for for being the the best cocktail maker in the world." And it's like, "Yeah, I'm doing a show in, in I think it was Abu Dhabi." He's like, "I, I want to take forty with me. Can you can you get me to them?" So I managed to do some some plain ones for him, and he he took them in his suitcase to Abu Dhabi, got managed to take them through customs, which I have no idea how he took a suitcase full of cow horn through custom and obviously was for this big, lavish cocktail party that was really kind of cool to get some pictures from, but I, I, I don't know who was there, but they, there was definitely some money being thrown around. That sounds kind of interesting. Maybe we should talk to this guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay, so um, I want to hear a little bit about the themes that you put on, like, you know, the themes of your artwork that you put on the shields and and the the axis and everything. So can you tell us a little bit about where do you find the inspiration and, and um, you know, who, who, who's your target audience? Because I guess it's not the Alsa bros out there. <laughs> <laughs> No, I've I've met plenty of them. I've met uh, I've I was I think I was joking with uh, Luciano from Children of Ash the other day about how I've met uh, every descendant, whether it be descendant of Ragnar, Rolo, uh, Floki. Uh, I've met them all, and they all have, are waiting <laughs> for their castles. They're waiting for their castles in Scandinavia, so they need shields, obviously, for the walls of their eventual castles. So I've met plenty of them, but um, they, that usually falls uh, by the wayside. Uh, but uh, yeah, the, the the shields have evolved. I made the first one in 2003, um, and it was actually just there uh, as like kind of like a, a prop in a way um, when I was still doing a lot of gallery shows. So I'd make these really large paintings and different paintings and things like that. So that was all on the wall. And then I just kind of made this shield, um, you know, and kind of just set it in the corner. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, it was one of the first things that got sold. <laughs> you got more attention than the eye you tried to sell. It didn't even have a price tag on it. The guy was just like, how much for that? And I was like, I don't know, 300 bucks. You know? <laughs> I mean, I was probably like 18, you know, like, what did I care? That has to be a uh, twist of feelings there, because on one hand, you must be so happy somebody wanted to buy it. But on the other hand, it's like, yeah, but look at all these things that I was wanting to sell. 
Oh yeah. Well, that happened. That was, that was the good part is that I, I, I had become kind of known for this more, I guess you'd call it more Celtic style um, mixed with graffiti uh, type of, uh, of aesthetic. And um, you know, I'd always been a fan of Courtney Davis um, which you should also talk to. And just like you, Dan, I originally probably thought that Courtney Davis was a woman. And Courtney, <laughs> <laughs> so Courtney, I feel, why do I feel like I should be offended by that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so Courtney Davis uh, is an artist that uh, was writing all these books and it was, you know, the late eighties and, and early nineties and everything else. And Courtney Davis, he wrote all of these different, um, Celtic pattern books and how to draw knot work and um, all these other things that uh, I saw and it was kind of just this this trigger in my head you know that just went off that was amazed by by all of it and then I was lucky enough to see the Book of Kells you know when I was when I was younger and that is the illuminated manuscripts that the monks you know uh, had made. Basically, it's a remake of the Bible, but it's kind of a colorized, huge version in Dublin. Uh, it's in the Trinity Library in Dublin. Um, but uh, it, it's always been kind of like a, an idea to create my own mythology, you know, um, based on my own life story. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's kind of the idea that you, you know, I think as all artists, you know, we, we, we look into the void you know, and the void stares back, you know, and, uh, and, you know, some of us don't make it out alive, you know, type of thing, but it's our duty to kind of keep staring into this void and then bring the world something tangible, right? Something tangible from that world. And I feel like all creation is that way, whether it's music or whether it's artwork or whether it's literal creation itself, obviously coming from the mythology itself. Um, but, uh, yeah, my, my, um, my grandfather, you know, was, uh, like I said, very kind of in that, uh, not really Catholic Celtic mixture of people. So I kind of had that growing up mixed with, uh, having a lot of like foreign exchange people, talk to me about uh like donner and and norse mythology and um just just being a kid and um you know going to the library i remember going to the library when i was like in kindergarten it was like the first time you could go to the library right and taking out a book on um not uh nordic mythology uh but greek mythology and kind of falling in love with these ideas of, you know, gods and heroes and, you know, uh, then mixing all that together with, you know, these Irish stories that from my grandfather of Cúchulainn and, you know, the hero of Ulster, because uh, our family's from Antrim uh, up in Ulster. And, um, you know, so you have all this mixture of stuff and then you add in things like, the Thundercats and Voltron and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and, you know, all these cartoons that I was watching in the 80s and growing up with that I was drawing all the time. Um, you know, and uh, so it kind of all came together with this idea of kind of, you know, these 
basically demigods, heroes, warriors, you know, gods and goddesses fighting it out. And it's all expanded from there. Um, and I kind of had this idea. I'm just rambling now. I kind of had this idea that, you know, when, when you look at the paintings, a lot of it had to do with color. And so you had the, the, the knot work um, that at the time, you know, got, would get confused with woad, right? So it had that bluish tint to it, right? Of, of the, their tattoos, like the Picts or the Celts and then these other areas that would have these blue or glass tattoos, um, you know, mixed with these ideas of our veins, right? And the, and the, the way your blood looks blue under your skin. And then when you cut it, the oxidation level makes it red, right? It, 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 so you'd have the, the real world, the natural world. I'd paint things in real colors, in reds and bright colors. And this spirit world or this underground world inside the veins would be in blues and very, very deep, dark colors um, because it was all unknown, right? So it became this kind of clash between what does what does a creature or what does you know uh, a a, zoom, a zoomorphic let's just say a Celtic beast right or a grappling beast in in a in a, in a Viking age style um, right like an urn's dragon right so let's say you take that and what would it look like as a real thing. And what would it look like as a, as a spiritual energy, right? So they have to be different, but they have to be they have to be able to give the same impression visually, right? Like I've always been I've always been jealous of musicians because musicians can play one chord, they can play one note that can completely hit you right in the chest, you know, that can stop you in your tracks. And we have a society that, you know, will go to, to, to see paintings like Starry Night, let's say, Van, Vincent Van Gogh or, or, or something like that, or, you know, a very famous artist. And they spend 3.5 seconds on average looking at that painting. So people go travel all the way to Paris, see the Mona Lisa, just because da Vinci said it was his best work. Meanwhile, it's not. But, but just because he said it is. You have flocks and flocks of people that show up there and they stare at this little thing. It's only this big, right? And they stare at it. Yeah, head is smaller than people think. It's very small and it's under glass. You don't even get a good, good look at it. Um, and uh, between everyone taking flashes to try to, to take their own picture of it, which is ridiculous in the first, first right, because <laughs> they're not actually looking at it, right? They're looking at art through a lens of a camera, trying to capture the art they're right in front of, right? Yeah. Um, and, and it's the same as when you're, you're, you're giving a lecture or you're giving, you know, you're showing things on a, on, a, on a slide and saying, hey, look at this piece of artwork, right? It's flat, it's energyless, it's motionless. It doesn't have any of the connectiveness of the artist it's like when you're holding one of your horns, right? You're holding that horn and you're creating it from scratch. Didn't exist, right? Until you were finished, mm -hmm. right? But if you show that picture to somebody and they're going to go, nice horn, yeah, right? 
But if somebody can hold it and they can flip it around and touch it and be in its presence, they might get a sense of what your intentions were. They might get a sense of who you are as a person. And I always tried to basically just say, keep looking, right? Make them keep looking. And, you know, the, the, the imagery kind of evolved out of all of my love of all these things. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know if I'm answering anything anymore, but basically. Uh, <laughs> no, it, it, it's interesting. I, I, I get what you're saying. You need to, because you do need to grasp people's attention and keep it locked, locked on. Like you say, especially because we both use Instagram as such a marketing tool because it, it, for all its flaws, it's a perfect way where, where you can express your art and you can show it, you can show it to thousands, tens of thousands of people in, yeah. in an instant. Um, and for the most part, you don't have to pay for it. It's a free service. You can just, you can just post a picture, but then it, it, you need to get people, like say you need to grasp people and pull them into it because now people are flooded with so much stuff on Instagram, you know, I, I dread to think how many pictures are getting uploaded every second. So, you know, we've all been there where we're flicking through yeah. his phones and we're just, we're just flicking mindless where, you know, you kind of picture next picture, next picture, and you might see something that stops you long enough to double tap and you go, eh, that's nice. But like I said, <laughs> that could, that could be your shield that sure. you spent 40 hours plus doing At least. But to somebody else. All you want is that like that, that double tap. And it's like that. That's and it, that's what's sad, really, is that you could spend 40, 60, 100 hours on something, right? I mean, I, I gave one away recently, right? I, I gave a shield away, um, had the uh, uh, the Uf Hetner fighting the Druger and all the other things, right? It was more a fantasy-based shield. But again, it started as a commission, but then the people... We're like, oh, this is taking a while. And I'm like, I'm drawing it from fucking scratch. Like, what do you want me to do? So then I just gave the money back and said, go fuck yourself, you know. And then I gave the internet the option saying, I will either finish this and then shoot flaming arrows at it and light it on fire. Or I'll give it away for free. You know, of course, people picked that they, well, actually, it was pretty close. But uh, <laughs> closer than I, I, I voted for lighting it on fire. But uh, I got outvoted to give it away. So, you know, you spend all this time, right? 100 hours, let's say, to do something. And then all of a sudden, you know, somebody is too cool for school. They can't even tap their phone twice. They can't even tap their phone twice. Mm -hmm. So you've spent all this time, right? And then, unfortunately, I feel like we're old enough to realize that you can't connect your artwork or your whatever you're putting out there with you know between the algorithms and all the other shit you can't put your your self-worth into how many likes how many follows how many how many comments right you just can't do it right? you do and, well, well you, tr you try your best not to i feel like the youngsters have have a problem with it big time because they've never grown up without it mm -hmm. right like i didn't have a phone until i was 21 right I'm over 40 now. I'm an old bastard, right? <laughs> so, you know, that growing up, having nothing, then going to these kids who, you know, I mean, they get bullied at school, then they go home, then they get bullied on Facebook or they get bullied online. I feel bad for them because there's no 
There's no break to it. There's no escape of it, right? You used to have four months to create your own work in your own studio, right? And then you have a show and you have an opening and you invite critics that actually know what they're talking about to your show. And they look at your artwork and they then they write about it or they judge it, you know? Now, everybody judges it instantaneously, five seconds after it's posted. The entire world is potentially your enemy, right? Or your friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like this, the entire world is potentially your enemy. <laughs> it's not paranoid at all. Right? As far as Instagram goes, I feel like as far as Instagram goes, you have these people that follow you potentially that don't want you to succeed, mm-hmm. right? There is, a, there is a small portion, I'm sure all of us have it, that follow you that don't want the best things for you. They're waiting for you to fall on your face, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that's a big problem in our community, in the, in the in the heathen or pagan or whatever you want to call it, community of artists. Um, you know, there's a lot of competition for no reason. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I try to support everyone that kind of plays in the same sandbox, right? We all we all kind of play in the same sandbox. So like, you know, the rising tide, lift all boats, right? That's my, that's my idea, right? So I tried to like things. I tried to, you know, shout out to people, all that nonsense. I think that probably comes from you being comfortable in, in your own artwork. You know, you're, you're, you're an excellent artist. Your work is superb. Um, so you're comfortable in that fact. But then I, I think sometimes you get this insecurity from people that maybe aren't as comfortable in, in their work. And that doesn't mean they say their work is bad. It just means maybe they don't have that security in themselves. So then they look at maybe you or me or somebody else who's creating something and, and for some reason then think that that's, that that's taken from them, that's taken food off their table. And and it's not, and you sh- they shouldn't think like that. And it, like I say, I, I put it down to, to an insecurity rather than a malicious thing. Um, well, to anyone can- listening... Right, to anyone listening out there, I hate myself, okay? <laughs> I hate myself. I despise who I am as a person, uh, not, as a, not as a human, um, but it's been drilled into me over time. You know, uh, uh, I was very abused as a child. I'm not going to go into the whole thing. The point is, uh, artwork became the escape. Artwork became the way for me to get out, right? Mm-hmm. And the way for me to feel valued, right? Because when someone saw the work on the wall without meeting me, without me talking to anyone, this is the first podcast I've ever done. I don't like to talk to people. I hate probably 9.5 out of 10 people, right? Um, it's just the way it is, mm-hmm. right? I'm, I'm very closed off, right? And uh, that part of it showing yourself, showing like basically your inner most sensitive feelings is hard for people. And, and some people don't even want to sell their work, right? They'll, they'll, they'll say, oh, how do you price your artwork? How do you get rid of these masterpieces? How do you do it? And I'll say, because I'm in love with the next piece. I've already moved, I'm, I'm already on to the next one, right? Yeah. We had our time together. Now it's time for someone else to enjoy it, right? Um, I don't know. It's just, to me, it's that you, 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 you have the feeling to both want to run and hide and scream all at the same time as an artist, all every day, 
Every day I want to, I want to never be on Instagram again. I never want to post my work. I'm anxious every time I post it. Right. I, I'm right now. I'm so anxious. I want to smoke. Right. I want to, <laughs> like I, I might, you know, uh, in a minute. Um, but literally it, it, it comes down to the fact that I have no confidence because it's been beaten out of me over the course of 20 plus years. So you, 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 you come to that fact of, of, that you're 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 showing your 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 chest open, right? You're showing it all to the world, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, it's it's, it's catch twenty two. There's there's people out there that don't know how to use the mediums, and they're opening up Etsy shops, and you know they've never used a pyrography pen before, and all of a sudden, boom, they're opening up an Etsy shop, and all this other stuff. And to me, that's just prostituting paganism for profit right mm-hmm. you're, you're you're taking paganism or anything i don't care if you make crucifixes whatever you make right don't prostitute something that people take that seriously for a little bit of money right i feel like that is the bad path to take <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um and i try not to i try to infuse these things with with energy mm-hmm without being historically accurate. I feel like, you know what, a lot of the stuff that you're saying resonates a lot with me personally and also with like academics in general. Like it, it's the same cycles that you go through of like producing academic material, you know, research of one, one thing or another, go into a conference and uh, um, then, you know, presenting that those thoughts and ideas and so on and, the, the caveat here is that it is everybody else's job to then just fucking wail on you afterwards, like <laughs> bring you down. That's that's what academia is all about, right? Sure. Um, uh, criticize, 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 criticize. Some, sometimes academics just do it because of dicks. Um, <laughs> they didn't have to, but they, they will find something that's wrong with what you said or that they would think that is wrong with what they said, with what was said, usually based off of their own lack of knowledge about something. Um, but no, it makes perfect sense what you're saying otherwise. I mean, I think so many people are feeling those feelings in different ways. Um, and it's not just people who produce stuff. It's also just people who are on, you know, social media platforms, right? Oh, yeah. And that, and that is because you're, you are, you know, incredibly vulnerable as a human being out there, right? If you have not built up some kind of shield, if you haven't, if you, if you haven't trained those, like, abilities to, to sort of like brush it off and so on, you get hammered all the time, right? I mean that that's that's what we've also seen these fucking problem with like discussions online, right? That you know between even family members that that make people be dicks to each other within a family. Oh yeah. Like, like there's there's something to be said for uh, just how unhealthy uh, those ways of communicating are, and, and especially when they're not based off off of the notion that I'm going to try to lift people up. Um, instead of bring them down, <laughs> right? 
Um, it's always viewed as very like I have some ulterior motive. That that's the problem. I think that when I share someone's work or I share I share things a lot, I try to you know I'll see something cool and I'll share it, whatever. Um, even on the Heathen Horde page, right? I run that silly page, right? I barely post on it anymore, but um, when I get a chance, I try uh, to just lift up other people, right? Lift up people in the community that are doing interesting, new, unique things with the ashes of the past. Mm -hmm. Um, But everyone looks at it like, oh, what does he want from me? Mm -hmm. I don't want anything from you. (laughs) I don't need you to repost it. I don't care if you repost it. It's that fine line between seeming disingenuous, I guess. You can usually, as humans, you can tell genuine emotions from none but whereas when you're reacting over instagram and, and the internet all those things get lost and you're always kind of on edge almost because you don't know what's genuine what's real is somebody what's what's the intent of what of the way someone said something what's the tone of what they've said you you don't know all that gets lost and you can yeah. easily misconstrue some misconstrue something true but yeah it's uh it's a crazy world out there, but I, it's definitely relatable to me, like you say, because we can, you can work on something. I'll, you know, I'll, I know you can't, you shouldn't judge likes. I know you shouldn't kind of overanalyze them and, and your self-worth to anybody listening, your self-worth isn't the fucking likes you get on Instagram. Like it never is. You should never put yourself on that kind of scale where you you judge yourself on how many people double tap a fucking screen because you're worth more than that and everybody is but it's so easy to fall into that trap because i know that and you know i'm i like to consider myself a fairly intelligent person even though i don't come across it all the time on here but i know i know more than than that that is not my worth but when i put it put a piece together and i take all this time taking these photos and then i post it and i'm like Oh fuck! I don't like, unlike a hundred people like this or whatever. And then you post something that's completely the opposite that you consider shit as the artist or something very mediocre that's not maybe not the most technical thing. And you just take a picture, and then suddenly that explodes, and you're like, "What the fuck? This thing that I spent all my love and energy and and everything into wasn't kind of taken, but this other thing that was kind of just very ordinary to me seems to have exploded." And you can just get caught up in this cycle of being confused and upset and, and wondering how are you not, how is it not enough for people? Um, and I know I know full well that if, if I feel like that, then there've got to be certainly other people who feel even more so because I'm very conscious of it and I try to, to, to manage it. Um, and even I kind of still let it slip in from time to time, you know, and it's, it's, it is a very toxic um, environment, I think. You know, technology basically, you know, in my mind is completely out of control. But uh, unfortunately, like you said, it is the easiest way for people around the world that potentially are interested in these subjects to see something that maybe they've never seen before, you know, um, and be like, wow, I didn't even know that that was a possibility. Uh, like I'll get pic- people send me pictures all the time of shields they make. Or, uh, or axes they've been working on or different things like that, or would, you know, ask me questions about wood burning and all things like that. Um, you know, and I'll say the same thing, just, just keep practicing. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> <That's> what, <laughs> you know? you can do. what else can you say? You know, it's, it's just that. 
Um, and you're going to stink. You're going to stink for a long time. Right. And you're still going to stink 20 years later. So who cares? Post away. Right. Post it up. That's right? it. Yeah. To everybody, you know, we've had a couple of people in the chat who say, you know, they don't they're worried to 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 share their own work. But to anybody listening to this, just 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 fucking post it. What's the worst that can happen? People What's the worst that can happen. People, people don't double tap on it on a screen. At the end of the day, that's not the end of the fucking world. Just just put show your work. Show I think show your work to the world. If that's what you want to do, just just do it. Don't let the, the fear of, of somebody not liking it or, or at least like I said, someone double tapping isn't the barometer of whether somebody likes or doesn't like something. It's just whether they fucking had the time in that moment. Just be you and do you do what you want to do. Christian, thank you very much. We had a bunch of topics we didn't we didn't get to. So like I say, you're welcome back anytime. We're not an hour and ten and Shan's dropping messages telling me to hurry up and wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> so we have um we have Jonas Lorenzen coming on to to read to narrate this the story time episode right after this. So if you're interested in that, pop over onto our Patreon supporters on there. You get access to the bonus episode. Um, like I say, you, Jonas comes on, reads or narrates a saga. We get to sit and listen um, and just have a good old laugh. They really are worth the worth the Patreon alone. I can't stress how good and how funny they are. Um, we put some clips up on the Instagram, but if you if you support us on the Patreon, you get access to all the backlog as well. Um, and if you enjoy the show, please leave us a, a five-star rating and a positive review. And you can find us on Nordic Mythology Podcast across the board. Christian, where can people find you, find your work? Go on and fucking double tap that screen. But triple tap <laughs> that screen. Give triple it three tap taps. it, peeps. Right, give it three not, taps to make not, sure. Not four, because it might undo the, the original <laughs> one. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Instagram these days at Art for Valhalla. Um, uh, or the the Heathen Horde, which if you're an other artist out there that does make artwork in these type of Northern styles, uh, reach out to me um, through that page and maybe I will be able to feature you on your work on that page. Um, and uh, yeah, check out the artwork and awesome. thanks for having me. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. Mateus. Instagram is the, the, the last stand. Yeah, for now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and don't forget, you can listen to Mateus talk about tattoos on his, in his Icelandic speech. Speech? Lecture? Uh, lecture? Le- presentation. Presentation. Presentation, yeah. Is it a PowerPoint presentation with slides and everything? I, I am planning on making some slides, yes, yes. Uh, to, to, to pretend that I'm professional at something. <laughs> there um, we go. And, and and also, it's not in Icelandic. It's going to be in English. Just, okay. Just so if you're listening to this on on Thursday when it airs, or, or Friday morning, I guess hit check the the show notes. Hopefully, there'll be a link in there, and you'll yep. be able to to join in and watch. Matthias do his thing. His teaching mode. Yeah, totally. All right, let's let's wrap this up, and we can go do story time. Bye, everybody. Keep making artwork, right? Keep making artwork. That's it.